0: Greetings to each one in Jesus' name, the name that represents the Lamb that we sang about. appreciated that selection of song. This morning as we come and open our hearts, our minds, our lives before God, my prayer is that we can be more keenly sensitive to the, the will and mind of that lamb, who was our sacrifice. You know, it's interesting, our lesson this morning had some focus on sacrifices, and I'm not going to apologize for any crossover of thought from the message and and the Sunday School lesson. I didn't think of those earlier, but I see some connections now as we've discussed the Sunday School lesson. But I'm not going to elaborate on that, I'll let you make those connections. if. They fit for you. Well, I will make I will make the first connection, and that is that we it was brought to our attention in the lesson that God expected sacrifices. And the children of Israel and Saul were using it to their advantage. Uh, they twisted it with human rationale to take something. And as was projected in our Sunday school class, possibly if they could have the best of the spoils to offer and sacrifice, they could save back some of what they would have normally needed to use and had more for themselves that way. And so their human reasoning was, in their minds, serving God, but with a little twist of their own own benefit and their own will. And uh, I see that as a, a possible reality in our experience today. But in thinking of sacrifices, how many of this, you don't need to show me your hand, but how many of you thought about this morning that you need to bring a sacrifice to worship? You see, that's something that changed or did it. Israel, uh, or God's people, in the, under the law, were expected to bring a sacrifice, even before the law, were expected to bring a sacrifice to God as a way of representing their heart of surrender and sacrifice and obedience to God. <clears throat> if you would like to turn with me to Psalm chapter, Psalm, uh, the fifth, fourth Psalm, fifth verse. I was reading this recently. And this stuck out to me and, and it developed into a message. He says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. And so, what were those righteous sacrifices back then, and what might they be today? The sacrifices of righteousness. Obviously, what the children of Israel wanted to do in, in this in our lesson today were sacrifices, but God didn't consider them righteous. He couldn't because they were they were not according to his requirement for obedience. And so, what is a sacrifice for us today? Do we need to sacrifice something to be able to worship? I believe the answer is yes. I'd like for us to think a little bit about what a sacrifice is. A sacrifice is something, as I've already alluded to, is something that demonstrates our willingness to, to worship, honor, and obey an entity, or to, to give uh, acknowledgement of importance to our, to our experience, or oh, what is righteousness? Righteousness is very much like holiness, and yet I would say that, that righteousness and holiness are somewhat different but righteousness is is completely involved in holiness and holiness goes a little beyond righteousness you see holiness is is the character of god of total rightness righteousness but yet holiness has the dimension of being set apart a special reality of righteousness that that sets things apart and so I, I want us to realize that they're very similar and yet i want to focus on the righteous aspect of it this morning as it relates to this verse in our thoughts offer the sacrifice of right of righteousness you see there's a there's a reality that comes along with this offering the sacrifice and that is It can only be done properly if there's appropriate faith and trust in God. And that faith and trust in God actually reveals itself by our willingness to obey, to lay down our will, to lay down our life, and to accept the requirements for our relationship with God. In Romans chapter 10, verse 4, we have reference to this believing and trust. Actually, there's a verse I wanted to bring to our attention ahead of this. And it's found in 1 Peter 2, 5. In reference to what's expected of us as it relates to sacrifices, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says, ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. God is expecting us as the spiritual building, the temple, you see, He He dwells in our hearts. We are, are the temple of God. But it's not just us individually. It takes place there, it's part of the, the of the whole. But it is the temple of God is the whole building of true believers that, that are that make up the church, that make up this body of spiritual, the spiritual house. And we are priests and kings that operate in that temple, in that dwelling place of God. And it's interesting in this verse, in 1 Peter 2, verse five, it says this, the the spiritual sacrifices are made acceptable and they they will be acceptable to God by Jesus Christ we cannot of ourselves come and present a sacrifice that's worthy and acceptable within ourselves. If we do that, we're, we're operating the flesh. We are representing Amalek. Uh, Amalek. We are attempting to do something on our own if we bring sacrifices apart from our our relationship with Jesus Christ and our privileges in him and our basing our our sanctification, our holiness, and our righteousness in our relationship with Christ. And I find it interesting how that that fits into this song that we sang. There were two different references to the Lamb. A light to shine upon the road that leads me to the Lamb. And then that same thought at the end of the song, so pure our light shall mark the road that leads me to the Lamb. How significant is that in our, in our life experience and in our worship? We can only come to God through Christ, the perfect sacrifice. That sacrifice was given so that we could have a relationship with God, that our sins could be dealt with so we could be righteous, we could be holy before God. But it's only because of Christ and through His work in our behalf. But then there's something that's necessary for that to be able to be applicable in our in our lives. And that is that we need to be willing to be a sacrifice that we we're willing to to have the flesh our our fleshly will crucified after the pattern that Jesus set forth of surrendering and and submitting to the requirements of death. And so that is is prerequisite for us to be able to have a righteous sacrifice to offer. And so it's, it's through Christ, it's through believing in that provision. It's not just knowing that provision or thinking maybe that provision works, but it's it's believing it, accepting it, and applying it in our life. And that takes me then to Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for the righteous to everyone that believeth. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And so a sincere Reality of faith and believing this provision is for me and accepting the forgiveness, uh, acknowledging and, and repenting of, of my condition before God it, uh, is a demonstration. It's, it's an acknowledgement of faith and believing that God means what he says and that he has provided for me and I accept that. And it's through that that I can experience righteousness, which allows me to come to God in confidence that I have a relationship. And so there's a sense in which my faith is part of my sacrifice. It's what I have. You see, a sacrifice is something that is of value to me. And I have to give up my own personal rationale, something that's valuable to me. I have to give up my ambitions to do things my way and to live to please myself. I have to lay that down and that takes an act of faith and that is a part of this righteous sacrifice. I have 11 items that I'm going to mention this morning that are sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices. There are many more, but these are the ones I bring to us this morning. They're the ones that, that I've, I've uh, put down for consideration this morning. And so I'll just go through and name those for you to think about <clears throat> as we get to them. The first one is, is of course believing God or having faith, that, that's a righteous sacrifice. The next one is transformation or transformed life, a living sacrifice, a life that is an ongoing sacrifice of that's been transformed by the renewing of the mind. Trusting God, which is very close to, to faith, but it's, it's after we have experienced the faith and we've operated on that and we continue to trust. Number four is loving as God does. That's a, a spiritual sacrifice. Giving thanks. Number six, causing others to give thanks. Number seven, <clears throat> giving or sharing of, of abundance of our temporal things. Number eight is suffering. Suffering is a sacrifice, can be a sacrifice. Obedience, number nine. Number 10, exhortation. And number 11, hospitality. And so I plan to use a, a lot of scripture verses to just bring out these truths. And so you, you may want to follow with me. I, I, uh, I printed out most of these so that I can move right through them. another verse I have that I want to uh, help us put this faith thing in perspective and that is the responsibility we have in this faith faith is somewhat of a gift to us and that God made it possible that we can exercise ourselves in faith that's a gift but on the other hand it is something that we're responsible for and that we need to initiate and activate. And so in Romans chapter 10 verse 17 it says so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so our our decision to to listen with an open heart, open open ears that are open down into the heart, submissive listening is listening with the intent to to hear God's perspective and and imbibe that perspective. That's what is is being referred to here. And it's that kind of listening that brings faith. It allows us to know the mind of God. It it allows us to understand the way God, what he's expecting and what he's desiring. And it's through that that interaction of, of the reality of God, the truth of God, that interacts with our surrendered heart. That is the basis for faith to develop. And in a sense, it's in that listening that we hear, we see, we understand the promises that God have, has made to us. And it's by faith that we reach out and accept those promises and expect those promises to be fulfilled in our lives. You see, if we know of a promise of God, but we don't expect him to do it, that's, that means the faith has been short shorted out, and God is not able to do the promise, fulfill the promise, because we haven't applied ourselves our in faith. And so uh, God uh, brings those promises to reality as his grace comes into our life. He gives us the power to experience the spiritual realities but it's based on our faith. And if we lay down faith or we don't exercise faith, then that channel is closed, that his grace cannot function properly. Well, how do we get this whole thing started? How do we keep it going? That's the second point, and that is transformation. I want to read from Romans 12, 1 and 2. Again, we have the word sacrifice here. I, be, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, I want you to think about this a little bit. I talked about the, the way that that God's design and desire for us to live in, in spiritual uh, reality is that we need to surrender our, our rationale, our reasoning, our human reasoning. But it's interesting, he says here that to live a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable unto God is actually reasonable, <laughs> It's a reasonable service. It makes sense. But not if you don't have a spiritual perspective. And so it's not that we give up our, our way of thinking, our, our ability to think and reason, but our ability to think and reason is sanctified by God's perspective. And that's why we need to have this renewed mind, as it says in the next verse. It says, and be not conformed to this world, I must pause there just to remind you what that word conformed means. And I think I've said it enough that I don't need to for many of you. But this word conformed comes from the original word that, that would have the idea of being uh, molded into a mold, pressed into a mold. And I often use the illustration of, of the butter, the butter mold. And, and uh, I was fascinated one time, been many years ago, I haven't seen these butter molds around like they used to be, and maybe that's why I shouldn't use it as an illustration, it's not really relevant, but uh, this mold that you, it, it's, not, it's not something that's a, a fungus or a virus, a fungus, uh, it's, it's actually referring to a container. And butter, when it's being made, pressed into this container. That, has a, that usually has a design curved in the bottom. And when you finish the process and take the butter out or take the mold off the butter, you have this neat little design that got pressed into the butter and it's supposed to be for being pretty. It's supposed to add to the decor. Uh, it's supposed to make things just a little bit more enjoyable, especially for the, this side of the house. It likes things kind of nice. And, and that's appropriate, that's fine. You know, God likes it that way too. He likes to see his image. He likes to see the image of Christ imprinted in our lives. He likes us to be pressed into that mold rather than the world's mold. The world's mold imprints on us things that show that, that the flesh is in control, is in charge. But a spiritual mold is actually one that reveals the image of Christ in our life well I'm reading that in a little extra there uh, it's it's real what I say it fits but it's not all really put in on the page there actually the focuses more on on the transforming which I want to discuss now it says, and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind and I've already referred to that that a a proper sacrifice. will be surrendering our our personal fleshly rationale to allow our mind to think and function with the sanctification of knowledge of the virtue of God working through our minds and dictating what happens in our life. But this, again, I mentioned already the process of, of surrender and the grace of God flowing in our life to make this possible. And so This illustration actually is given here in verse 2 about transformation, being transformed. And again, we look at the word, and and this is not a new concept for most of you. This word transformed comes from the original word that we also get the word metamorphosis. And of course, you know how that relates to the butterfly. Not only the butterfly, there are a lot of insects that that morph into something else, Um, little Creatures that crawl turn into things that fly, and it's not just the monarch butterfly, but that's the one that I think of. And maybe because it's very recent, um, <clears throat> the grandchildren know that that Marie has an interest in this. I think she's maybe even helped spark some interest in their lives uh, in calling it to their attention. I don't think she's totally responsible for this, but but they know that she enjoys. Thinking about and, and observing this process, and so a couple weeks ago, the grandchildren showed up with a uh, a milkweed leaf that had a caterpillar on it, and they knew what this meant, what it was supposed to be, and so and and Marie did too. So she got out her jar and put this leaf in there with the worm on it, the caterpillar, and fixed it up. For the right environment, uh, I think maybe added some grass or a little something in there for for just uh, environmental reasons and whatever, and, and generally you put a, a lid loosely on there with holes or something to make sure he doesn't get away. And so he gets set up on the shelf or on the in the in the windowsill there, and he ate away at that that uh, milkweed plant. And by the way, it's kind of interesting. It was interesting to me earlier in the season. I knew that I could expect something like this to happen here toward fall. One day I was going down to Evans to uh, take the lawnmower home or get the lawnmower, I'm not sure which it was, and I noticed, and and I was going to mow along the lane on my way in, and I noticed these two milkweed plants standing there in the grass that normally should have been mowed. And I realized that, that somebody was making an anticipated decision, They left that milkweed there just in case it might develop a caterpillar, am I right? And so I was careful not to mow that weed off because I knew that I'd have disappointed somebody. Well, I understand that this uh, milkweed leaf that we got with the caterpillar came from another place on the farm, but uh, I I knew they were thinking about it and so it didn't surprise me when it showed up. Anyway, after this, this caterpillar ate a lot of that leaf. He got full and he went through his processes of attaching himself to the top of the jar and then spinning this chrysalis and kind of shrinking up and and this chrysalis developed and I don't understand how this works. I I just marvel and I'm amazed and I I wonder, I I really wonder God's creation. I I just can't comprehend it. Scripture says that that Christ Jesus was involved in creation. He spoke the word and by, by him all things consist. And I just wonder how busy God is. Is he telling each one of these individual uh, creatures how to do this or it's, it's, it's in their DNA somehow, but how does that work? I mean, go beyond this and think about the birds. I, I, I just marveled, I may have said this before, but Robin's nests all look the same. And if it's a dry season and there's not enough water around, not enough mud, uh, robin's nests all kind of stop being built until there's there's a shower rain or they find some mud because they've got to have mud in their nest. Now, who told them that? I haven't really seen the schedule for, for uh, bird nesting seminars for birds. I haven't seen these gatherings anywhere, and yet... There are other birds that have specific little things about them that their nests look the same. And they do same, the same things. They even lay the same color eggs. But uh, there's, there's one uh, nest I think that has, the, the birds like to find string, and it uh, puts a, a little bit of string. I was thinking it was a colored string, a certain color, but um, I was discussing that with Marie and she said, well now you're crossing over with mice. Mice like red things. And mice nests often have something red in them because they like red. And we didn't know that until we discovered a couple of different mouse nests, and they both had red in them. So we're like, hmm. It looks like there's this propensity to like to decorate with red. Anyway, what I'm saying is we don't understand how much God is involved in all this, but um, if, if it's on a... Individual animal basis, there's a lot of busyness going on. But, you know, God said, uh, Scripture says that he knows how many hairs are in each one of our heads. And he knows when any sparrow falls to the ground. So God does have contact with these animals somehow. I'm saying that to say this. God is very involved in his creation. And creation responds to God's orders and we see this thing happening year after year after year, same thing happening, and it just don't understand how it is. And especially with this this uh, butterfly I'm telling you about, this monarch butterfly that this milkweed worm turns into, and it always t- turns out to be a monarch butterfly if it's on a milkweed. That's That's, to me, that's in itself very interesting, to say the least. <clears throat> but after... I don't know, it was about two weeks. Marie said one day, she said, hey, that thing's changing. It's, it's," or or she said it just did. I forget how it was, but till I got there, this, this chrysalis had yielded a beautiful butterfly. They fall out upside down and they flip up. And I got there just minutes after it happened. And this butterfly was already so big, there was no way to stuff him back in that chrysalis. And more than that, His wings were already ironed and and smooth as silk and working like they were supposed to and they were solid and they had just been wrapped up in that little chrysalis just minutes before. A marvel, a miracle again and again and again. How does that translate into our spiritual reality, our spiritual development? I've heard people criticize what The psalmist said when he said, I am but a worm, or was that joke? He said, we're not worms, we're worth something to God. I agree with that, but there's a sense in which, in which, in and of ourselves, without God, without faith in God, we're no better than a worm in terms of relationship with God. Now, God loves us more than he does the worm, and he has done a lot more for us, so I don't want to get too far off there, but... We are pretty ugly in God's sight because of our unrighteousness without being transformed. But being transformed is a miracle. But here it tells how it's done. You know, I said I can't explain how that all happens. But here it says how that we are transformed spiritually. It says by the renewing of the mind. And so our, our spiritual experience has to be correlated with what we think. And what we think is, is developed by what we read, what we understand, our, our quest for knowledge of God. Well, I need to move on. But I don't want you to forget. That is the most important point of the message, is realizing and accepting and believing the, the transforming power of the grace of God in our life as a response to our faith and willingness to go through the process of metamorphosis or dying to self, to become a new creature in Christ, a miracle creature. After that happens, and I'm going to move quickly now, the next sacrifice that we, that we can bring to God is trusting Him. In Psalm 4, 5, the one I already read, it says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Trusting God. Trust in him at all times, Psalm 62, 8. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is our refuge, a refuge for us. Number four, loving as God does. 1 John 3, 7, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous, Christ. In this, the children of God are manifest, verse 10. And the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that doeth loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And if you put that in this context, it means that if you love one another, you are righteous. Or you cannot be righteous. Maybe there's a better way to say it. You cannot be righteous without loving one another. And it goes on then later in another Verse later on, verse 16 in that passage, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. See the sacrifice? We give up something important, our self-life for the others. This is a spiritual sacrifice to love others. And verse 23 of the same passage. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, And love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. And that spirit is part of that grace of God package that puts it within us to love. It's not something we just work out and develop. But it's our faith in the promises of God that... The grace of God gives us that initiative, to desire to love and to, and to show love because it's, it's the reality of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life that demonstrates itself out again. But that only continues to be so as we continue to renew our mind, continually, mindfully processing my responsibility and opportunity to surrender my will for the ultimate will of God at work in my life. Number five, the sacrifice of giving thanks. Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So we can, we can look to see how our sacrifices, some, uh, evaluate our sacrifice. How is our tongue performing the sacrifices? Do we find ourselves uttering praise and thanks to God Or do we just take things for granted and kind of forget that God would like to hear from us about appreciation for what he's done? And not only God hear that, but he wants others to hear that, to encourage them to realize the reality. And, you know, it takes a little bit of sacrifice to be thankful. You have to give up your your uh, entitlement to your own greatness because when you say thank you to someone, you've acknowledged that you depend on them for whatever you are or have. The natural mind tendency is that I'm number one. I'm greatest. Right along with that comes number six, causing others to give thanks. In 2 Corinthians 9, 11, now this remember we're thinking about sacrifices, things that come out of my life as an acknowledgement of God's worthiness that I should be Casting these things before God. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians nine eleven, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies through one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. And so he's saying others gave, and it caused uh, th- those recipients, not only thankful to the people that gave it, but to God for their goodness and their open hearts. And that takes me to the next one, seven, and that is giving. One of the sacrifices that we render to God is giving of our, of our possessions, of our monetary uh, worth, uh, our, our, our money. <clears throat> In Hebrews chapter 13, 16, he says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well-pleased. Now this word communicate, we often think about his words being trans, transferred back and forth. In this context, it is not. It's to Communicate means that you speak with your money, you speak with goods, you speak with sharing material things. That's what it means here by communicate. And in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and following, we have some of the same. It says... But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. See, this is an act of the mind, renewing the mind. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. What I talked about earlier about grace abounding is not only in spiritual realities, it can be in physical, temporal things as well that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. The sacrifice that God is looking for is the good work of sharing, giving. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. You see, we emulate God's righteousness when we share like God has shared with us. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. And so giving and encouraging others in that way is a righteous sacrifice. In Philippians 4, I won't read all this because uh, I'm running out of time, but I just want to pick out a couple of verses here in Philippians 4, beginning at verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Verse 14, notwithstanding, ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. There again, that word communicate has they sent what he needed. And it, it goes on to delineate that in the next couple of verses. And I want to skip down to verse 17. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. I think that point's been made. Number eight, suffering, sacrifice. First Peter 4, 1 says, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, renewing of the mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh Has ceased from sin. When you call on your flesh to give up temporal things for the benefit of spiritual things, you have actually short-circuited the possibility of sin in your life, of being greedy, being uh, selfish, and a number of other uh, aspects of of selfness there that translate to sin. And then going on down to verse 12, it says, Beloved, Think it not strange concerning the trial of your faith, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Verse 13, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. And so the sacrifice of suffering, being willing to suffer for the sake of Christ, to identify with Christ and to be ridiculed or, or to do without or to be... Um, so many things can happen to us because of our identity with Christ. We can be uh, looked down on from others. We can be uh, mistreated because of our affiliation with Christ. The next one, number nine, obedience. First Peter 1.13 and following. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Here we again, again have this reference to the mind as being an integral part of this sacrifice. Gird the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or living, way of life, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And then we have another. perspective on on obedience that, that can serve also as honoring God by our obedience to men. It says in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, obey them which have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And also then in Romans 13, it talks about uh, obeying those who have authority in temporal things. Number 10, exhorting one another. Another sacrifice that that we can render. Exhorting one another, Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And going on, not forsaking and assembling yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. And I appreciated Brother Jeff's comments this morning uh, in the opening and in the closing the encouragement we have of hearing from others spiritual walk and their perspectives that's the exhortation it's not always somebody scolding you for doing something wrong it's encouragement for what you're getting right it's encouragement to think right these are aspects of encouragement and when we exhort others we are offering a sacrifice back to God and it's acceptable to God it helps to grow each other, to bring more completeness and righteous completeness into the body. The last one I have here, number 11, is hospitality. First Peter 4, 9, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Have you ever, ever said, oh, I've got to be hostess this week? Now, ladies, I, I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip because I know sometimes the stress levels can be this high. And that's not exactly what it's saying, but it's an illustration of how it could be. Number 10, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And this last phrase makes me believe that it's more than just opening our door, inviting someone in our house, or feeding them food. This thing of hospitality is this congenial relationship of making others feel one with the body. That's hospitality, because it's as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If you're experiencing the grace of God, don't keep it. Share it. Let your life bubble out into other people's lives. Not that you try to do that, but just, just be sure you don't keep it from happening. Because of an attitude of grudging. Like they don't treat me as good as I'd like to be treated, so i am just go not you know, I'm I'm just saying hypothetical there. A little bit of illustration. Well last verse. I'd like to bring is Romans 16, or 6, 13. But before I do, I want to just take a little bit of time and give you an illustration. Our lives tend to flow with our, our pursuit of fulfillment. You stop and think about it. Why do you do what you do? Is it because you have to, because the schedule is written down? Um maybe it is but we tend to alter that or spice it up so that we enjoy it more or so there's a certain sense of fulfillment one of our granddaughters one's not here likes to come to grandma's house granddaddy's grandpa's grandpa's house and she got bored the other day and so Grammy gave her a big stack of junk mail now All of us think of that as a nuisance. But Grammy had a perspective that was a little different. She saved it for this occasion. She brought the junk mail out, laid it on the table, or gave it to this little granddaughter, four-year-old, and said, here, you can have this to play with. And that granddaughter got so excited. And she pulled a chair up to the desk and she got out a pencil and she went through the junk mail and she sorted it and she wrote things down and she sorted and she wrote things down. And she did this for hours. And and she was just, the smile on her face, she was experiencing fulfillment to its max. And and you know she was just accomplished in this uh, big job of sorting this stuff out and, and making notes. And her mom told us later, she did it for hours more at home, and and then the next day she was sorting the mail, and she was so fulfilled, and we believe it was good for her. But my question to you is, what does God think of your pursuit of fulfillment? Are we just sorting junk mail in terms of the whole perspective of the realities of life? Is that what it amounts to? Or does our life, are we actually rendering sacrifices to God that are acceptable to him and that that, that he's worthy of and that he gets fulfillment out of our fulfillment? That's a challenge that really challenges me on a daily basis as I've been preparing this message and thinking about it. Really, the things that I do and the whys and the wherefores, has my mind been renewed? Do I think of it in terms of what does God want? Is God pleased with my life, with the decisions I make, the places I go, the things I do? And, and we need to be careful. We are expected to live a, a temporal existence and do temporal things. But there needs to be that, that mind that I'm doing it for, for God. I want to please God in every way that, that I make decisions in what I do. And so now, Romans 6 13, it's closing verse to ponder. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. God add his blessing as we contemplate and ponder our life experience and let the spirit help us view our our sacrifices of righteousness, that they are that. And there may be some things that we realize could be better. That's how we adjust by renewing the mind, by committing it to God, asking God to cleanse us, to sanctify us, and help us move to a higher level of righteousness in our life experience. God bless.